0: get started, let me have a word of prayer for us. Would you pray with me? God, you're so good. God, you provide for us in so many ways. Father, I pray that as we spend time together as a church this morning in your word, that you teach us. Father, that we earnestly desire that that greater gift, as Jamie said in our communion meditation, and that gift is love. And God, may that then manifest itself in our lives and into the lives of others. God, teach us this morning from your word as we're gathered together. As your people, in Jesus' name, Amen. Not something from God a worshiping church, not something from God. We don't come together as a church to worship to get something out of it, or perhaps we shouldn't come together to worship as the church with the main intent of getting something out of it or desire. As God's people, holy and dearly loved, is God. Nothing more, hopefully, nothing less. What we will talk about today is worship. A lot of times when we talk about church and coming together as a church, we say, well, we have worship at 11, and we do We come together and we sing, and if you even look in your your bulletin, as it kind of gives you a postmark for the things that we're going to do. We've got worship through song and worship in prayer and worship in remembrance and worship in the Word and worship in giving because there's different elements and aspects to worship. It's not just the songs that we sing, but really it's the way that we live our lives. Now, there is something absolutely that's inherently special about what we do when we come together as the church on the first day of the week, as the church always has and as the church always will, Because corporate worship together, giving God the honor and the attention and the glory that he's due, is a vital part of what we do as the church. And what happens, you'll find this to be true, when we put God in his proper place, everything else starts to line up. In your life, when you find, when you put God in the proper place, your other priorities, We'll start to line up. God will help you to see what is most important and what is least important and what's not important at all. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to fit together perfectly. But as we desire God and we seek after him, and hopefully what I want is nothing more than being obedient to God and what he is calling me to do as a Christian, how he's calling me to influence my family for Jesus, and how, what he's calling us to do together corporately as the church. That I'm following after him and I want to be obedient. Revelation chapter 5, the very last book in the Bible. It's the revelation of Jesus to the Apostle John as he's exiled on the island of Patmos towards the end of his life as he's a, a man long in the tooth. Not revelations. If you add an S, I'll correct you because it's the revelation of Jesus. That's a preacher pet peeve. We can't, you know, we all have those things. And the revelation of Jesus to John. We're going to read the easy part today because I get to choose what we read. What, what happens here in Revelation 5, just so we understand, I'm going to read the whole chapter, is that we find ourselves as John is, what happens in the beginning of Revelation is that John is worshiping. He is full of the Spirit. He is desiring God, and he is transported. And he has a vision of heaven, and that's what the book of Revelation is. It's a vision of heaven to John. It's recorded to us, to the church, that we have it. We know that what it says. And what happens in Revelation uh, 2 and 3 and 4 is that we have these letters to the seven different churches, actual local congregations in cities filled with Jesus followers with Christians. And a letter is written to each of those churches. And more than that, not just those churches, but also to us as we learn about God. And it's Jesus who's sharing that. And what happens as we transition from that in the book of Revelation to Revelation 4 and 5. We find ourselves, and John finds himself, and he's presenting to us, the throne room of heaven. And what he tells us is that on the throne room of heaven that there's a throne in the middle of it and somebody's on it. And it's not just somebody, it's God. So you ever feel like life is just chaotic, this world is falling apart, that God is not in control? Revelation 4 and 5 speaks volumes to that because John reminds us and through that God reminds us that there is someone who is controlling it. It is is God. He's not vacant. He's not aloof. He's not not paying attention to us. That there is a throne and someone is in control and it is God. And that's where we find ourselves in Revelation chapter 5. You remember what I said we're talking about today? Worship. Worship. Talking about worship. The response to Revelation 5 is great. And God says this in Revelation chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel preparing with a loud voice. Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests of our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Verse 11. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying in a loud voice Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power My words are often inadequate to describe the glory of God. So I'm going to sit for a minute and we're going to play something and just listen through, which I think is an appropriate response to this picture that we get from Revelation 5 of worshiping the Lamb. Thank you saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, Tell him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. It doesn't happen as often as it should, but even as I was reading this passage from Revelation today, I was overcome with awe of the glory of God. Too often I read and I'm like, yeah, 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 I've, I heard that. I, I pretty much know that. I under, I've, yeah, I, I've heard that before. I get that. I've, yeah. There have to be more times in my life where I open up God's Word and I read it, and I'm just about floored at the majesty of the glory, and the honor of God. And I think when those moments happen, it's okay for us to embrace those with those of us that are around us who share our faith because it is real and powerful. Now, there's a lot of other questions that we can and in inappropriate times could ask about Revelation chapter 5. Well, what's this and what's that and what's... And there is answers for those. But sometimes I can't see the forest for the trees. And the response to Jesus is worship. That should be the takeaway. When we have the gospel presented, which is what we try to do when we come together on Sundays in worship, is to present the full gospel. To remind us, to tell new people, to tell whoever is here about Jesus and the whole story. You can do that in different ways. You can do that through different mediums. You can do that... By expressing Jesus and what he has done. But that's the response. Worship is seeking God. Not seeking something from God. Now, what God does is that God provides for his children. He provides for us and he gives us what we need and he teaches us. And there are tangible results. That's an awful word, but I'll use it. there are tangible results that come along with me following after Jesus to following God, to desiring him above everything else. And then what God is going to do is that he's going to bring about transformation in my life when I do that. When we do that together as the church in relationship with one another, as we worship, and as we grow, and as we serve, God is going to put that evidence in our life about our faith And about what we believe. So much to the point that people are going to recognize that in your life. And they're going to ask you what it's about. And the very easy answer to that is Jesus. (laughs) Worship is so crucial to what we do as the church. But just like just about everything else in life, my attitude has an enormous impact on the outcome. If I come to worship as a judge on the voice, as opposed to someone coming to desire God, my perspective is going to be different. I say that speaking to myself because I'm often critical of what we do on Sunday morning. Not in a bad way most of the time, but in a way of, could we have presented Jesus better? Did I do something to get in the way of how God was trying to speak to somebody's life? Was there a different song that we could sing? Was was there a different way that we could present it so that we feel that our faith is real and active and alive? But if that is my mindset too much, what happens is I'm going, well, we shoulda and we coulda and feel really messed up, and I'm going to tell them about it later. (laughs) But if I come with a different attitude about I am coming to desire God, when we come together to worship, our audience is one. An audience of one when we come to worship. Our audience is God. May all that we do be pleasing and honoring to him. And when my heart falls in that place, my attitude becomes different. And one of the phenomenal truths about worship and how we, how we respond and how we worship God, worship is the only thing that the church will do Forever. So you could make the claim that perhaps worship is the most important thing that we do as Christians because it's us desiring God. If I desire God, then he's going to speak to me and he's going to change my heart. He's going to lead me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, Psalm 23. And when I desire God and I seek his presence, I'm reminded of those times in Scripture where people came before God When Moses came down from the mountain, he was glowing because he came into the presence of God. And people could tell that he was different because he had desired and he had sought after God. And he looked and acted differently because of that. Because in the life to come, in the new heaven and the new earth, when Jesus reclaims his bride, the church, which is you, which is us, which is Christians, We will continue to sing praises to God and to worship him. And worship is much deeper than really we give it credit for being. There are a lot more elements to worship than just us singing in response to God. But worship is one of those things that we will always do in the presence of God and in this response that the Apostle John sees to the throne room of heaven. The response to the Lamb who was worthy, who was slain, was what? Worship. Falling down before God and crying out to him. So not only we should, there's nothing wrong with enjoying worship because we should. God moves and God teaches us. And God molds our character by the ways and the things that we include when we worship. And worship is going to you in the life to come. It's eternal. So you better enjoy it. <laughs> We're going to keep doing it because God is worthy. The scriptures even go so far as to say is that if we're unwilling to cry out to God and to give him the praise that he'll do, he'll cause creation to do it on our behalf. But we're never going to stop. And God's never going to have to do that. Because Jesus came and he established a church, and you and I are a part of it today. And Jesus made a promise. He said, this is the church, and he founded it upon his apostles and the teaching that he gave him and the truth of his message and his life. And he said, the enemy will not prevail against it. So that reminds me, regardless of what happens in life or in our country or in my lifetime, is that the church wins. The church is victorious. People will always be praising God, even more so when the devil is finally put in his place, when the people of God are no longer tempted or torn apart or messed with. Response to God who loves you and cares for you. It's worship verses 11 and 12, uh, 21 and 22. Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Paul expressing his longing to see the believers that live in the city of Rome, the church there. He says, for I long to see you that I may may impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, we, we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. He says that we may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith, both yours and mine. That reminder to me is how the Bible talks about how we as Christians sharpen one another. We help one another. And I can't help but think, but Paul is longing not just to spend times with and have meals and to spend as much time with the church and the Christians in Rome as he can, but I can't help but think that Paul has this deep desire and longing to worship with his family in Christ to give God the glory and the attention that he is due so that they can come together, so that they can impart things to one another, that they can become strengthened, so that we can come become strengthened when we come together. And maybe you've experienced this to be true. Is that maybe the moments in life where you feel like worshiping the least are the moments that you need it the most. And maybe you have showed up to an assembly of the church to worship and you didn't want to be here, but God struck you and you were encouraged by the voices of those around you singing the praises of God. Maybe even in the moment, if you didn't have the strength to sing them yourself, but just being in the presence of God and his people and having words proclaimed to God, become encouraging. And they can realign your heart. And they can turn your eyes back towards Jesus so that we don't begin to sink quite so far or so deep. It's when we have our eyes on Jesus. We can do so much. Skipping down a little bit, uh, verse 21 of Romans. And I think what this is is a direct implication of people when they choose not to, not only not to follow God, but not to, to worship Him, to desire God. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God and give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and foolish and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Uh, Turn a couple pages to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 read like this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Worship is so much more than just what we do when we come together on Sundays, as the church always has and as the church always will, to worship God, to desire God, to spend time among his people, to strengthen and build our relationships. We can look to worship God in all aspects of our life. But while doing so, I can't ever use that as an excuse to not be a part of this. Or at least I shouldn't. Because God calls us to belong to the body, to be a part of the church. And I'm rarely short on words. We learn that. That's why preachers go to school. We learn words to talk three words to summarize what we talked about this week and then the two weeks to come today is worship grow and serve it's a picture of the next two weeks and what we will talk about as a church we want to make disciples Who make disciples to disciple is someone who loves God and others bears fruit and equips others for service we attach that to these words they're not printed in the bulletin by accident or on the sign out front we are to worship God we're to grow in his word. We're to serve others. Worship. Grow. Serve. For Christians, it's not optional. It's what God commands of us, and it's what God expects of us. So, as you think about worship, I think there's some things that you can do during the week. What I think is important for us is that we make worship a priority. It's important to make worship a priority to sacrifice other things so that we can come together as a church, to be encouraged by one another, to read from his word. So pray that we and that us, we make worship a priority. I think another helpful thing that we can do in thinking about worship is that pray for our Sunday morning worship services during the week. Pray for them. Pray that we we come. Pray that God is exalted and glorified because of our time together. Pray for all the people that will come. Both the regular faces that we have and the new faces that keep coming. Pray for those people during the week. Whenever you think about it, pray for our Sunday gatherings. That God may be illuminated. That we may then decrease so that he can increase. More of him and less of me. And pray even as you're coming to church, which if you come to church more than once, you learn that can be the hardest like two hours of the week. Your family ready? Get out of the house and come, and all these things happen, and it's anything but stress free a lot of the times. But pray as we come together for our time together. Pray that our attitudes, pray that your attitude is in the right place, because prayer is powerful, and prayer brings about change. God wants to hear from us as His people. So as we focus on worship and how important that is, not this to the exclusion of everything else, and not everything else that we're called to do as Christians to the exclusion of. Time together on Sundays. Pray it's a priority. Pray that your attitude's in the right place. Pray for all the people who are coming. Pray for all the people who God wants to come, but they're not here yet because I don't pay enough attention to God to invite all the people that He wants me to. And then pray that we're ready when they come that we can help them to grow. And we're talking about growth, and service in the next couple weeks. Let's pray. God, you are so great and so good. God, as we worship you, I pray that our hearts are softened. I ask, God, that you teach us and you instruct us. God, I pray that never the words on a page that we read from the Bible, do we take them for granted. God, I pray more often than not that we're struck with awe of the wonder and grace of your majesty. God, we love you. We're so grateful for our time to worship. God, may that mold us into the people you're creating us to be for our families, for our friends, God, for our work, for all the people that we will influence. May people look at us and see Jesus. God, thank you for teaching us, for being there whenever we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.